Welcome, everyone. I'm Kim Christensen, and this is the Peaceful Productivity Podcast, where I share strategies to help you get the most out of your time and feel better in the process. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. If I had to point to one of the single biggest contributors that interferes with my ability to be peaceful and productive, it would probably be my perfectionistic tendencies. I don't think I'm alone in this tendency to perfect things and continuously look to make things better. And I definitely think that it serves me in a lot of different ways. However, I find it can also get in my way. So today I'm going to talk about when perfectionism might be getting in our way and how to channel that drive to make things better into more peaceful productivity. Also, at the end of the podcast, I will offer a coaching question or two that can help you to identify when perfectionism might be coming up for you and how to shift it and re-channel it into something productive. For the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to define perfectionism as the drive to make things better. As I mentioned earlier, this drive serves me in a lot of different ways. I find myself consistently looking for ways to move the needle on things and make things better for myself and for those around me. I'm rarely accepting of the status quo and I tend to look at things and ask myself if there's a better way. It leads me to be very inquisitive, curious, searching for solutions, and often perfectionists are innovators and seem to be thought leaders. I find with my perfectionism that I'm also committed to a belief in the value of change and my ability to affect change. If I don't like the way things are going, I find it quite easy to look for ways to improve it and believe that I am capable of improving things. So in a lot of different ways, perfectionism can really serve me. However, in a lot of different ways, it can also get in my way. I'm going to explore some of the ways that my perfectionist tendencies can create roadblocks for myself inadvertently. One of the ways that it does that is that I feel like there's often this sense that it's never good enough, that there's always room for improvement. So I'm always iterating, I'm always tweaking, I'm always making things better. And what this can lead to is a lot of starting, but not necessarily finishing or completing. This lack of clarity around what enough really looks like can also prevent me from even starting in the first place. So if I don't have a good sense of what's involved in the task and what completion looks like, I can feel really overwhelmed by it, just thinking about it, which can then lead me to procrastinate on even starting the task. So then we might have a lot of loose ends, a lot of open files or a lot of unopened files, things we haven't even looked at yet. And that can lead us to feeling quite scattered, overwhelmed, and provides us evidence for this belief that we don't have enough time and we have too much to do. 
I think the biggest roadblock caused by perfectionism is this inability to feel sufficient when we aren't meeting the criteria for enough or we aren't recognizing when we're meeting the criteria for enough, then we're robbing ourselves of the opportunity to feel sufficient, to feel satisfied, to feel at ease with completion and letting go. And when the feeling of sufficiency eludes us, it fuels our drive to do more in this desire to create sufficiency through accomplishment. I actually call it chasing happiness. It's this idea that we keep going until we quote unquote achieve happiness, that happiness will come through the achievement. And it's tied to the idea that the happiness comes with feeling or reaching enough. So this word enough is really at the core of perfectionism. It is comparing ourselves and our efforts to some imagined standard of enough, whatever that looks like. And oftentimes we don't even have a concept of what enough does look like. It's this destination that we can never quite find. We tell ourselves, oh, I'll know it when I see it, when I feel it, when I'm happy, when I feel a sense of accomplishment, then I will know it's enough. And the problem with that is that we don't ever arrive at that place of feeling accomplished because we haven't trained ourselves on how to recognize it. And because we don't recognize it, then we've convinced ourselves that we're never quite there, that it's just around the corner. If you find yourself in this situation, I think something that's really helpful to understand is that this desire to create enough, to reach enough, to accomplish, comes from a desire for security and a desire to help. I think understanding that this is coming from a good place can really help us to have compassion for ourselves and this drive. Because what we've been convinced of for most of our lives is that when we arrive at enough, then we will be worthy of our own time, our own attention, our own recognition, and that of others. So, of course, when we've been conditioned to believe that that's when we will get recognition, that that's when we can relax, that that's when we will feel safe and secure, that we will know that we're helping, if we've been conditioned to believe that arrival at that state is when we will feel safe, then we are going to be continuously striving to reach that state. So it's helpful to understand that this is a natural result of our conditioning. And it's a natural instinct of the human brain to search and strive for a place of security. That's the job of our survival instinct is to create a state of security and safety for ourselves. So if we're continually striving to make things good enough, to reach that elusive state of enough in order to feel safety, security, and useful, then the problem becomes what is enough? And I find it really helpful to define that for myself. So I'll 
invite you to try that as an experiment. The next time you're starting a task, think about what the finish line looks like. Define enough for yourself. And one way that's really helpful for me is I will define what 100% enough looks like. And that will help me to calibrate against that imaginary state and understand when I've reached 80% or when I've gone beyond 100%, I'm going to 120%. Having a really clear finish line in mind before I even start a task can help me to get going on it because it doesn't feel so overwhelming. And it can also help me to understand when I've completed the task. I think it's really important to give yourself a finish line and it's equally as important to recognize yourself when you cross the finish line. When you take a moment to recognize what that feels like, that feeling of completion and give yourself a pat on the back, It's the reward for creating a new habit loop. So if the trigger is starting a task and defining the finish line, doing the task is the response to the trigger and the reward is recognizing yourself when you cross the finish line, then you're closing that habit loop. And every time you re-perform those actions in that order, you will strengthen that muscle in terms of recognizing the finish line and completing things. So in terms of completion, the question to ask yourself is, what does enough look like? What does 80% look like? And why is 80% more efficient than striving for 100%? Those are some very useful coaching questions that you could offer to yourself when you see yourself slipping into that old habit around a reluctance to complete. The other area where I see perfectionism interfering with my ability to be productive is when I start to view imperfection and flaws as uncomfortable and even threatening. And I think this comes from fixed either or thinking. We sometimes get attached to the idea that there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. And if I do them the right way, then that will be efficient and effective. And if I do them the wrong way, that will be a waste of time. We can get so attached to this certainty that there's a right way and a wrong way that we can actually use it to our own detriment. And what I mean by that is that we get in our way when we start to think there's a right way to do this and I'm not open to doing it any other way because any other way would be a mistake. What it comes down to is how we feel about making mistakes. The question becomes, what do we think about ourselves when we make mistakes? Do we subject ourselves to a lot of criticism? We've been conditioned over time to do things a certain way. And when we deviate from that path or when we make a mistake, we might have been criticized, which caused shame. And so in order to prevent ourselves from feeling that way in the future, we made sure we didn't do anything that might be viewed as a mistake or that would invite criticism. The reason why we avoid criticism is because somewhere along the way, 
we learned that criticism was threatening. It felt very unsafe. And so to guard ourselves against that, we guarded ourselves against vulnerability. We put up a lot of defenses around that. And we learned how to at least create the appearance of not making a mistake, even though we might not feel that way internally. And this is how we get defended against vulnerability, because over time, vulnerability gets equated with weakness, with having flaws. We defend ourselves against vulnerability. We give off the appearance of being calm and in control, and yet we are misaligned with how we're feeling internally when we're living in this constant state of fear around making a mistake. Intellectually, we know that making mistakes is part of the learning process. We are often encouraged and encouraging ourselves to embrace vulnerability and make more mistakes as part of the learning and growth process. However, that comes with cognitive dissonance when there's another part of us that believes that making mistakes invites criticism, which can feel quite threatening. So how do we reconcile these two ideas? The idea that we want to be more embracing of making mistakes and also this instinctual fear that making mistakes invites criticism, not just from others, but from ourselves. And I think what most changed this for me was around the definition of courage. From a conventional sense, courage is defined as taking action in spite of fear. What I think most transformed my perspective on mistakes and criticism was when I started to view courage as more about a willingness to feel feelings as opposed to a willingness to do an action. And the reason why this idea was so powerful for me is because I was always willing to do the hard things. I can remember when I joined Toastmasters many, many years ago, it wasn't necessarily coming from a desire to be a better public speaker. It was from a place of overcoming my fear of public speaking. It was also the reason why I jumped out of an airplane. I was tandem skydiving. I didn't do it because I had a desire to jump out of a plane. I did it because I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it in spite of the fear. That definition of courage really served me in many ways because it pushed me out of my comfort zone and it got me doing things that I might not otherwise have been doing because of fear. However, what was missing was this willingness to feel the tough feelings, the discomfort that comes up when we make a mistake. So now when I think about courage, I think about the willingness to feel the discomfort associated with making a mistake. This is different than the discomfort that we feel when we're afraid of something and we take action anyway. That type of courage is coming more from a place of proving that we won't let fear stop us. The courage to take action when we don't really have certainty about what we're doing and in the face of making mistakes, 
a different type of courage because that courage is what is exposing us to vulnerability. So the vulnerability is the uncertainty that we will be successful. It's conquering the fear, but still inviting the potential for criticism, which invites the potential for embarrassment, shame, and the risk of alienation and abandonment. It's an entirely different courage that requires us to embrace uncertainty versus the courage that's required to take action in the face of fear. When we prove that we can overcome the fear and take action, it actually invites our own self-congratulations. And it's not necessarily an invitation for more vulnerability. So it's actually two different types of courage that we're talking about here. And for me, the willingness to make a mistake and open myself up to that was an entirely different type of courage that was required from me. And for me, what this new type of courage required was a willingness to walk into those really uncomfortable feelings that come up when we potentially make a mistake and separating the idea that the mistakes that we make are not an invitation for criticism and they do not reflect on ourselves, our capabilities, or our intelligence. They are a learning opportunity. And in fact, if I'm very mindful and conscious in the moment, I can make mistakes about opportunity. However, this requires some mindfulness because my default pattern is to view mistakes as an invitation for criticism, which makes me feel very vulnerable. I think the thing that has been most helpful in this regard is to experiment with creating a felt sense of safety and support. If I have the belief that I can help myself feel comfortable, secure, and supported in those moments when I feel most vulnerable, then I am less reluctant to avoid making mistakes altogether. In fact, I will start searching out opportunities to make mistakes, knowing that that's my pathway to growth with the knowledge that I can comfort myself and feel secure in that place no longer becomes an invitation for self-criticism, judgment, and shame. So the question becomes, how do we create that felt sense of safety and support? And if this is something that interests you, I'd like to invite you to check out the Peaceful Productivity Coaching Program. You can find more information on my website, financialwellnesscoach.ca, under the coaching tab. This Peaceful Productivity Private Coaching Program is dedicated to help you create emotional agility, which is built on a foundation of a felt sense of safety and support. The last thing I would like to offer in terms of perfectionism and how it occasionally blocks us is when it all starts to feel very serious and we start to put a lot of pressure on ourselves And it comes from this idea that we can't necessarily rest or take a break until we've completed something. And of course, when we don't really have a clear idea of what completing something looks like, then that 
puts even more pressure on ourselves and it becomes very serious. One of the solutions that's worked really well for me in this regard is to incorporate more fun. We know this intellectually, but we sometimes lose sight of it when the responsibilities of day-to-day start to weigh us down. If you're finding that you've lost sight of enjoyment and engagement, I'd like to invite you to participate in the LOL Challenge. It's something that I just created for myself to remind myself to look for the fun in the day-to-day. It's a 30-day challenge. Every day you will receive a different type of idea around injecting more fun in your day-to-day. You can find the link for the LOL challenge on my website, financialwellnesscoach.ca. So I want to leave you with a few coaching questions that could potentially shift your perspective and provide you with some new insights into what works best for you. So the first question is, when is completion better for you than persistence? A lot of times persistence gets celebrated in our culture, but it can also lead to this idea of not completing. So the question is, when is completion better than persistence for you? The second question is, how can you make vulnerability feel safe? How can you create that felt sense of safety and support for yourself so that making mistakes isn't something that needs to be avoided at all costs? The third question is, how do you recognize progress? What do you do to celebrate progress when you recognize it? And how do you recognize progress? And finally, how can you make today more fun? Thanks for listening, and I'm wishing you much engagement, enjoyment, and peaceful productivity. Take care.